Okay, so uh, Fliss and I were thinking, I think on Wednesday night, about Christmas, and we were thinking about our Christmas budget and the rest, and uh, I got thinking about God and money, and how was I doing, and what were we doing about that, and I want to just spend a little bit of time talking about God and money, and I want to say this to you, that, that uh, as we do this, this is good news, it really is. As we understand the way God sees money and how God intends us to use money, actually it's a freeing thing and a liberating thing. Uh, and I hope that you will go out of this place encouraged and challenged and comforted too, all at the same time. So that's indeed a, a tall order, but let's see. And when we start talking about God and his giving, what God gives, because it all begins with him, you know, I, I cannot do anything other than begin with John 3.16, hands up if you know, just by me referencing that, what I'm talking about. Which verse? This has got to be one of the, I mean, half of you, I think, put your hand up. This has probably got to be one of the best-known verses in Scripture. And it's usually used as a, as a means of communicating uh, the way God has saved us. But actually, I want to use it just as a model of his giving today. So John 3.16, let's just read it. We'll remind ourselves of it. And I just want to remind you uh, about uh, a few principles that we can begin by way of laying a foundation. And John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You have God's attitude to giving, his giving heart, his abandonment in giving, his intentionality in giving, all summed up in that verse. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let me quickly, and this isn't the main thrust of my talk, but let me quickly remind you, and, and I just, just to hook this, and for you to sort of just catch this. The first thing about, that we would say about this is that giving is modeled by God. Modeled by God. Is it possible to make that font a little larger? Because I can hardly see it here and I'm not sure that we'll be able to see it um, from the back there. But if we can play with that and make that larger. Modeled by God. That means that God does it first. You know, all through the scriptures you see God doing it, training people this way. For example, Jesus taught his disciples that way. They began by just following him. Just, he invited them to follow him, and, he fo and they followed him. And he, he, he asked them to do little chores, get them to sit down, go and get food from the village, etc., 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 some little menial tasks. But what happened was, after a while, he said, now you've seen me do this, lay hands on the sick, for example. Now you lay hands on the sick. And he sent them out, Luke 9 and Luke, Luke 10. And he sent them out to, to pray for the sick and to cast out demons and to, and, to, and to preach the kingdom, which was exactly what Jesus was doing. And so Jesus modeled kingdom ministry and then got his followers, his disciples, to do the same. So giving, first and foremost, is modeled by God. The second thing is it's motivated, not out of guilt or shame or whatever other emotion might come up when we think about this whole thing about God and money, but it's, it's motivated by love. God so loved the world, he loved the world, 
And so it's, that was the impetus there. And as we love God, so he begins to work on our hearts and we find ourselves wanting to please him, wanting to live our lives according to his will and wanting to, to, to do that which, which honors him. It's, it's not rocket science, this. If you're in a relationship, a long-term relationship with anyone, my wife and I have been married for over 40 years now. Uh, you know, I still want to please her, otherwise she whacks me. No, I mean, I didn't say that, but... Um, no, 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 it's not fear. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm being naughty now. Um, it's modeled by love. I love my wife. I, I really do. I thank God for my wife, and, and, and she... Thanks God for me. I... Oh well, never mind. I, I thank God for her anyway. But because of that, I, I want to please her. It's a love thing. It's more than a covenant or a contract or you better do it because you're married to me or whatever. It's a love thing. And that's, that's how it is with God and us. His, everything he has done for us has been motivated by love for us. And I know that comes as a huge surprise to many because many, as I said to this lovely Catholic congregation I was speaking to a year ago, they seem to think that, you know, many people think that God is out to trick them into, into hell. It's like, okay, let's see how you get on. Ah, big fail, yep, you're off to hell. And it's kind of like a mentality click, you know. You, God isn't out to trick us into damnation. God is out to save us at any cost. And for him, it was quite literally at any cost because this, this love that is modeled by God and motivated by love was manifested in action. Thank you. Manifested in action. Third point. And, uh, and for him, that love that he had meant that he sent his one and only son. Nothing was too much. He did not hold back. He gave his one and only son. You know, you occasionally... As a pastor, and I mean not even as a pastor, maybe you know people like this, but you know, sometimes in long-term relationships, I, I think personally it's a very sad thing. You hear someone say, um, yep, um, I know she loves me, we've been married for years, uh, she, she doesn't tell me, she doesn't need to tell me, I, I know she loves me. Or you hear the husband say to the wife, or, the, or it's reported back to me as a pastor, or you as a friend, no, no, no he doesn't tell me, you know, or the husband says something like, I, I don't tell her that I love her, she knows I love her. It's not spoken, it's, it's kind of assumed or presumed. Well, I think that is presumptuous, because I do think we need to tell one another we love them. I have this little thing going, I'm always telling my kids, my grandkids, my wife that I love them. In fact, I even tell one or two of my close friends that I love them, which is a bit weird, I know, but uh, um, I, I tell Den I love him, Dennis Hilton. I'm going to man up and tell you that. Not that I'm gay, but we've known each other 20 years. We've known each other 20 years, and I know he's got my back, and we've shared some stuff over the years, and, and I love him deeply, and he me, and, I, and every day, every, every Sunday, he first, I get up, I make a cup of tea, and then the, my phone goes, and it's Dennis texting me to tell me that he's praying for me, and he's rooting for me, and, and it's, a, it's a lovely thing. I, I do believe we should tell one another we love them, and I'm telling my daughter-in-law, Sarah, one of my daughters-in-law, that I, I love her, which she finds a bit weird, but, but, <laughs> but I do. I do, I, I tell them that. I, I think we have, to, we have to speak it and we have to do it. 
You have to do the, both, the two things. You can't just do one without the other. You know, Jesus was the living word. He lived out that love. He lived out the word that God is love by lo laying down his life for us. So God in giving, motivated, modeled by God, motivated by love, manifested in action, excuse me, and uh, measured by its value. You know, the gift of Jesus was extravagant. It was outrageous. You know, it wasn't that Jesus just reached into his back pocket and pulled out a fiver. He, he you know, he, that gives me an idea. I'll just do that in a minute. But, but he, what happened was, was that God gave his one and only son and Jesus said, I'm up for it. And that's how much he loved. He laid down his life. I mean, it's, it, you know, size does matter. It, it, it is important. It really is. Thirdly, and f sorry, thirdly, I'm a bit scrambled today. You'll have to forgive me. It's multiplied in its impact. And what I mean by that is God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believe in him. He loved the world, and, and if, it, if it were possible, he would save the whole world. If, if the whole world would but but acknowledge Jesus, would come to Jesus and ask for that salvation. And that's part of our job, to make Christ known, to speak of him and to model him so that people can get it and not get the wrong idea that God is trying to trick them into hell. We've got to be there to try and you know, put words and, 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 and model the kingdom to them. So what started with just one son now means that Father has many sons and daughters and you are numbered amongst those and you will be with Father in glory. And that's a wonderful and glorious thing. So I look at God's love and I look at that and I, every time I come across that verse and you know, as, a, as you know, evangelism, you know, making Christ known is probably my primary gifting, but, but I find myself now not just seeing the potential in that verse as, as an appeal to others to, to, to join with Christ, but I see also just a wonderful example of, of the love of God, this incredible kind of outpouring of love for us. So that finishes up with me thinking about me and my giving, you know. You know, as Fliss and I were talking about Christmas this week, uh, I found myself, you know, we were saying, well, how are we going to do it this year? And, you know, we're, we're great ones for budgets, you know, breaking them, that is, but, uh, but we're great ones for budgets. And uh, I came up with this little idea, it may even help you, who knows, that uh, a couple of weeks ago I was thinking about how we were going to do Christmas this year because our family gets larger and our grandkids multiply and goodness knows what. And I was, I was just thinking, I thought, well, here's a very practical tip. In February and March, we don't have to pay council tax. My council tax is 185 pounds a month. And I thought, well, that'd be 370 quid or something. Is that right, Richard? 185, 370, something like that. And I thought, well, that can be our Christmas budget. That's a great idea. So, you know, uh, I, I like to be intentional about these things. I like to think through. And so I said to Fliss, okay, so over and above our normal housekeeping, you've got 385 quid to buy gifts for the kids and send, you know, food parcels to America and, and you know, buy me expensive toys and I'll... I'll, I'll uh, I'll, I'll give you a tenner for, you know, go and spoil yourself. And, and uh, you know, but everything, all the extra food and stuff has got to come into that budget because we, we, we're not in a place financially to bust the budget. So you start thinking about that. And I start thinking, well, you know, isn't this a bit mean of me? And then I get into a bit of a, I'm just talking about myself, of course, 
Get into a bit of a kind of a guilt thing, and then I start feeling the resentful thing. I think flipping Christmas, you know, you know, you write all these Christmas cards, and you know, it cost me 40 quid in Christmas cards, and it's just absolutely crazy. And I suddenly stop myself in the midst of all that. Because if, if Christmas is about anything, it's about that season of giving. It's about reminding ourselves of God's great love and just trying to model that. It's a golden opportunity to model that. And I, and I realize, and I'm not talking about busting that budget. We do have to work to the budget. But, but at the same time, it's about the heart in us and how we go about this. Now, you may think 380 quid or whatever it was I said it was is a huge sum of money because of your financial situation. You may be sitting there in absolute shock that I don't spend 4,000 a year on, on Christmas because you do. I don't know. I mean, not about making value judgments here. But what I'm saying here is that I recognize in myself, if I'm not careful, I can go through Christmas with what I've come to call over the years a spirit of poverty. You know, that Scrooge movie, humbug. You know, that mean old miser. I can go through all emotions, and if I'm not careful, and this says more about me than it does you or anything, if I'm not careful, I can be counting every penny of every kind of Christmas card or stamp or, or, or gift we give to someone, or if we take people out for a drink or have them around for drinks, I'm just so fixated on the money that I have no joy in it, and it's a mean-spirited thing. Now, people may come and enjoy our hospitality, we usually have a few extras for Christmas and what have you, and, and they can enjoy our, my hospitality and they can say, thanks, Chris, wasn't that generous? And I might be smiling and I might be looking affable and all the rest of it, but inside I'm just mean and horrible. Nobody's like that, of course. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But I, I realize that very often, in terms of my giving, me and my giving, particularly my giving to God, I can just take on this spirit of poverty. And it's not about being poor. It's about, it's about a mentality. You could be very, very rich and have a spirit of poverty. You can just be bitter and resentful about giving. And, you know, there's only way I have found over the years to break that spirit of poverty, and that's by being a little bit outrageous in terms of your generosity. Budgeting won't, get, won't break a spirit of poverty. That'll just, you know, that'll just help you. Uh, that'll get you through the season. But, but generosity will break that spirit of poverty. And sometimes we need to go a little crazy, even though it may mean that we can't buy a packet of fags or a beer this week or something. You might have to sacrifice that. Just to be a little generous. I'm not suggesting that you all smoke and drink beer and stuff like that, but you know what I'm saying. You might have to make a, sac a personal sacrifice in order to pay for a bit of extravagant generosity. And I'm going I'm to do something here. I wish I hadn't brought my wallet with me. Okay. Right. Let's have those spots uh, on if we can. Who would like 10 pounds? Who would like 10 pounds? Oh my goodness, all these hands go up. I'm going to give this 10 pounds to someone I've never seen before. I'm going to give this 10 pounds. Have I seen you before? I don't know, but anyway, there's 10 pounds. There you go. I think I've seen her before, but I'm a, I apologize, I can't remember your name. What's your name? 
Ali, Ali, you came up here. That's why I told you, yes, that's right. You, you did the last dedication. That's where I've seen you. <laughs> Another tenor. Who needs a tenor over here? Who, who wants a tenor over here? <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait a minute. Hang on a minute, Bruce. Andrew? It's yours, mate. Well... <laughs> Somebody run up there with this for me. Can, can somebody just... Do my, thanks. Okay, who else... Whoops, I'm sorry. Who, who else needs a, a tenner? Bruce, where's that money? Give me that money that you... It's a 20. It was for you. It was for me. Oh, that's very sweet of you. Right, who else wants it? It's yours. I've run out of money. Who... This is kind of fun. Who else wants a tenner or a twenty? Who's, can somebody give that person over there ten quid? Who's got ten quid to give that person? Okay. Oh. <laughs> Ali, all right. Bring it over there. Give her a big clap. That's the spirit. You're a sweetie pie. You didn't have that for long, did you? No, okay. Okay. Who, who else wants, who needs some money over here? Right, what's your name? Yeah, what's your name? How much money do you need? <laughs> you don't want to know. Lucy is your name, is it? Come with me. Sorry. Okay, this is Lucy. She put up her hand saying that she needed some money, and I asked her how much she needed, and she said, you don't want to know. If you feel like you'd like to give Lucy a tenner, just come and give it to her now. Just stand up, come down and give her it. Whatever you've got. More than a tenner. Let's give her a bit of, bit of extra. Keep coming. Keep coming. Give her some money. Just give her some money. There you go. Keep giving it. Keep giving it. There you go. 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 That's great. What? Isn't this fun? Doesn't this just break that spirit of... Yeah! Here you go. I tell you, that's fun, isn't it? Bless your heart. My goodness. You can take us all out for a drink afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, enough already. That's great. <laughs> Bless your heart. Lucy, we don't know what you need, but Father does, and we hope that helps. Bless your heart. Give her a big clap. <laughs> See, doesn't that feel good? Breaks a spirit of poverty, you know. I, at any given time, honestly, I can tell you what I've got in my wallet. I knew I had 20 quid in there. I'm that kind of guy, but sometimes I just need to just and do it. And I don't know what that was, but that was a lot of money, and I hope that helps with your whatever it is you need it for. God bless you. So we break this spirit of poverty, and it isn't about whether or not you've got a great job, a great house, a great car, and all your bills paid. You can still have a spirit of poverty on your soul. It's not about how much you've got, it's about your attitude, and is your attitude aligned with Christ's? 
Because God didn't hold back. Thank God he didn't. Let's just pick up a little bit of scripture here. I'm just going to teach this through, and then, and then we're done. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. Let's read this through. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. First thing, I'm just a few points as we go through this reading. So generously. You know, the illustration is that of the farmer. You know, there's always a sacrifice. I've always had great admiration for those, those subsistence farmers all over the world, and there's zillions of them who have a family and they, they live barely on the po- above or below the poverty line. And yet, if there is going to be any chance of them feeding their family next year, they have to make a sacrifice. They have to take a step of faith. They have to take a little bit, a little bit of the seed they have that would feed their children or that they could sell in the market for something else. And they have to go out and they have to literally throw it away. And if they do that, and if the rains come, and if the birds don't eat it, and if all the rest, and if, and if, and if, if they do that, then every seed, one hopes, will sprout and grow up and bring forth multiple seed. If you sow a little, you'll get a little. If you sow a lot, you'll get a lot. Father uses this illustration, speaks into our hearts and minds in the 21st century and say, forget about farming. You have resources. How are you using them? What is your attitude? Are you fearful and hanging on to them? Or are you willing to occasionally break out, break ranks with the rest of our culture and be generous? Well, we did it this morning. So generously... You'll reap generously. It's a spiritual principle that Father has woven into the very warp and weft of our culture to remind us of this principle. Secondly, he says in this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. I wanted to, to say that this, is, this giving thing, there is an intentionality about this. What was joyful about that was that it was spontaneous. And, and I do think that spontaneous giving, something, something breaks in me. I feel better for that as you feel better for that. And I know Lucy feels better for that. So we need to be a little bit, yes, yes, yes. And be spontaneously generous. But the scriptures do say that we should be intentional. Just don't wait for the sugar rush of of emotion so that you you give then. Actually, in our giving, we should be strategic. We should be intentional. Tomorrow night, and I really would love you to pray, our board is meeting to plan uh, 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 and to hopefully sign off our budget for 2013. It is a scary time for all of us, and it's scary time to be leading a church of this size. It really is scary. 
the demands and the people are coming forward in, in, by the hundreds. Do you know, at our feed ministry, and I often use this, it isn't the only example by any means, but last Monday, we had more people come to our feed ministry than ever before, and we gave out, on one Monday, 709 food items. 709 food items. This is growing. Uh, and we're wondering where we're going to get the resources from. We're wondering, will the people bring the extra can of tin, uh, extra can of beans so that we can give it away? Or will we have to, as we are currently doing, give more and more of our budget to that in order to support people? We're, we're stuck for space. We've got ideas about that. But it's a scary time to be a director of a, of a, of a church this size with this kind of, you know, complexity and, and, and also generosity, because we're a generous people. It's a scary time, but we have, to, we have to shake the fear off and step out in faith, and that's the challenge to us as directors and as a church. We have to shake that off and, and be intentional in our giving. You know, we always say at the beginning of the year, okay, well, we're going to give X amount to Bethesda Mission. We're going to give X amount to Step. We're going to give X amount and so on and so forth. We don't just sort of say, well, let's see if we've got anything left over and then we'll give that away. We are intentional about that. And that's what Father is teaching us in this. You know, be generous. You know, have a propensity, a default for generosity. But be intentional, and every single one of us says, well, what does my giving look like? Do I give regularly? Am, am, I, am I giving proportionately? Am I giving a consistently to the church here? Whatever lo other lovely things you support. The primary call is upon the church. That's, I'm sorry if that offends you, but that's the biblical principle. You know, the old tithing thing, which we still teach here, actually. But the old tithing thing was that the 10% went to the temple. Why? Because the Levites didn't have an inheritance like everybody else. Everybody else had land allotted to them. But the church, the temple worship, there was no land associated with that. So they depended upon the gifts of, of the people in order to support the ministry. And that's still true to this day. We don't have any investments. We don't have a nice little kind of business on the side. It's utterly dependent upon what you give or don't give. So that's the, the second thing I just wanted to say. Be intentional. And then verse 8, this is, I'm just going to read this through and let it speak to you. For God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things... At all times, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, and their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in every way, not just financially. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. There's a promise in there in case you're, you've not clocked it yet. That if you set your heart according to, to live by God's principles, God will provide for you. God will will prosper you so that you can be generous. 
Now, please don't go home, give all your money away, and I'm come hammering on my door on Tuesday and saying, where's my money? You said God was going to be generous. Hasn't arrived yet. I didn't win the lottery on Wednesday. I waited till Friday, didn't win it then. I'm in trouble. Please don't be foolish. Be intentional, be generous. But understand this principle that as you go through life living to this, there will be some dark moments, some challenging moments. Phyllis and I have had some really painful financial moments over the years. Really painful. I mean, we all have those things. Probably the worst for me was when... The worst for me was when Samuel, when he was at Verulam School, was not able to go to a, a trip to Germany with his year group. Because we simply couldn't afford it. And he was okay about it. He said, I don't really want to go anywhere. And I didn't... You know, it was a difficult conversation, but we said, I said, son, I just don't know how we can afford this. And we, so we said no. I, I didn't know until years later, I only found this out in the last five years, that actually out of a hundred and, I don't know how many, a hundred plus boys in the year group, I didn't realize there were so many, Samuel was the only one that didn't go. And he had to sort of hang about with the younger kids for the week, wandering around like this little lost soul in Verulam. I tell you, it breaks my heart. And if I'd known, I would have sold, uh, you know, I, I don't know, sold a cat or something. I don't know what I'd have done. <laughs> but, you know, we've all had little stories like that. You know, I don't want to, you know, these things that would, we've had some very tough times. But I will say this to you, that, uh, that over the years, God has prospered us. And, and really, it's been extraordinary. And I, you know, I, I, I can honestly think of times where against all odds and expectations, we have prospered when others haven't. I mean, this church is the same. I mean, this church, you know, this last year, which has been an incredibly challenging financial year, we had to, again, rejig the budget in the middle of the year, downsize it because of, we were just not taking in enough gifts. But in spite of all that, we kept our giving firm. We kept giving away what we said we would give away. And you know, I look back on this year, we'll finish this year just about breaking even, having also re-roofed the place, having redone all the lighting here. And there was something else as well, which I can't remember. And it's astonishing to me that in this culture, this society, and this economic state of affairs, God he is just faithful. So there's a promise here. If you can set your heart, it may, you may not be able to do it overnight because you've got all sorts of commitments, but if you can set your heart to give, if you can set your heart to break out with a bit of spontaneous generosity from time to time, you will find yourself in the long haul prospering when everyone else seems to be worried and stressed out and live in that place. So God is able, verse 8. You will be enriched in every way, verse 11. And what, a, what does all this do? This generosity of yours, like that moment there, this generosity of ours to the feed people and others and missions and orphans elsewhere in the world, this generosity of, of, of Christ to us, you know, all of this results in, and I love this kind of, verse 15 thing, it results in, in thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. 
The more you get into this breaking the spirit of poverty through generosity, the more you get intentional about your giving and giving to the church first. And to be honest with you, if I can just stress that again, because I've often asked about this. Verse 12 in this thing says, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. That implies that the first call is God's people, the church. And in this context, what Paul is, is saying to, to the Corinthians, is saying, look, don't just give to God's people, give it elsewhere. In this culture, in this day and age, it tends to be the, be the reverse. People give everyone everywhere else and, and, and give to the church last. We need to just kind of redo that. That's why these directors' consultations are great. If you have any doubts that we might be filling the money or what are these directors up to anyway, go and fire questions at them next Sunday. They would love, won't they, Mark? You'll, you'll love that. I'm looking at the chairman of our directors. But we would, seriously. I mean, Richard knows how it was. Richard was a director here for many years. It's tough yards. It's tough being a director. But, but, you know, there are principles of good management that we need to pay attention to, but we do nonetheless need to sometimes recognize that we're a faith organization. Sometimes we need to stretch ourselves. So, so think on these things, because Father does not want you to live in fear and poverty. He wants to break that spirit of poverty so that if you have a lot, you will rejoice. If you have a little, you will rejoice because it's about an attitude of the heart. It's about responsible budgeting too and you may need help with that. And we have, we, we have a ministry, believe it or not, you're probably not surprised that can help you with that too. But the reality is, it's a heart thing because God gave to us everything and it's our aspiration to give everything back to God would you please stand let's have the worship team back up let me just pray thanks be to God for his indescribable gift Father I want to say thank you to you again and again and again and again and again that you loved us that you were intentional in your giving, that you were extravagant in your giving, and that as a result of that, many now know you as Father, not just one son, but all of us here and all over this world. We, we call you Father. That sacrificial gift of your life, Jesus, has meant that there's been an extraordinary harvest of souls, of sons and daughters, and we would be faithful, Lord God. We would ask, Lord God, that you would break that spirit of poverty in us, that we'd be intentional in our giving, that we would be generous, that we'd give first to your king and your kingdom in the church, and that, Lord God, we would find something left over and then still find over so that money left over so we can send our kids to university and all the rest of it. You know, Lord. You know. But thank you, Lord God for your indescribable gift. It's all from you, Jesus. It's all from you. Amen.